Are there any of you out there who have ever had to go about the work of cleaning out pig pens? Being in a, in a farming community, I imagine that there's at least a few of you that have had that uh, challenging, smelly, arduous job. I know I did my time when I was a kid. We used to fill up our our barn with, with pigs at different points when I was growing up. And I remember as, you know, eight years old, 10 years old, 12 years old, that was my job. I would have to have to clean out the pens. And, and usually I was, I was highly motivated by the money that my dad had said he would pay me if I'm consistent with my work. I remember one time when I was about eight years old and I was shoveling away and uh, just totally wiped out just hit the hit the floor was covered in head to toe as soon as i dropped the pigs are all around me snorting away and sniffing me and i was covered a head to toe with manure it was just a, a nasty scene and and so i was i was i think pretty pretty distraught pretty worked up about it all i rushed into the into the house and found my mom and my mom was not impressed that i went into the house covered in head to toe with pig manure and and i remember she was pretty rattled because she was just about to head out the door for a choir practice when i came waltzing in and she had to had to clean me up uh, it was so bad it was in my ears it was everywhere that uh, i needed needed assistance but even on the best of days after having cleaned out the pigs i needed to do the serious work of changing my clothes i would get into the into the garage and i'd, I'd strip my clothes off in the garage and then rip through the house and, and jump in the shower right away and you had to scrub and scrub and scrub and it was actually usually the case that i would get out of the shower and i would still have that stench uh, sticking with me. But the critical last step of cleaning out the pig pens was having to change my clothes. Changing clothes was a serious matter. I raised this personal story uh, with you that I'm, I'm not sure, maybe you can, maybe you can't personally identify with that. But I raised that because the, the image, the metaphor, the symbol of changing our clothes is one that Paul uses in our text today. I want to ask you a question. Are you familiar with the idea or the practice of polyamorous relationships? Sometimes they're referred to as open relationships. It's something that appears to be growing in, uh, in popularity, in, in attention within our North American Western society. And it might seem like it's far off for us here in Zurich, but I, I believe that this is something that will be growing in popularity and is rising on the on the horizon around us if you're not familiar it's the practice of pursuing intimate relationships with more than one partner while having the consent of each partner so an open relationship you might be married to one person but you're engaging in sexually intimate relationships with others at the same time and you're doing so with the full permission of your spouse or, or maybe maybe with your the permission of your boyfriend or, or girlfriend pursuing multiple intimate relationships at one time with the consent of each partner. So I've been aware of this uh, for, for a while, a couple years now that I've been hearing more and more about it. I read an article about it last week and so it's been on my mind a little bit more in the last number of days. And I, so this article that I read, it was an advice column, kind of like an Ann Landers, if, if you remember those from days gone by. And, and I was trying to find the article, couldn't find it, don't remember the, the title of this advice column. But this individual writes in and she says, uh, why can't I just feel comfortable in this open relationship, this polyamorous relationship that I'm a part of? Why am I always overcome with intense jealousy when I think of my husband out sleeping with other women? Even though I've given my, my consent, even though I've offered my permission for this to take place and have been looking for experiences like this for myself as well. 
This lady expressed guilt about feeling this way as if she was sex shaming her partner for not being comfortable with and embracing this progressive sexual ethic. And she felt, felt horrible, guilty, as if there was something wrong with her because she couldn't adapt to this new way of being in a relationship. And as I was reading this, I was, I was shaking my head. I was like, oh, goodness. Open relationships are yet another way in which the society around us is chasing after what feels good. Chasing after uh, responding to the impulses within saying, well, if I feel this way, if I desire this way, it must be natural. It must be good. And so I'm going to go after it. And in this, they are pushing away God's vision for beautiful sexuality of the covenanting, the, the promising of a life shared together for a lifetime in marriage, a husband and a wife joining together in one flesh, honoring that marriage, keeping that marriage bed that they share together as husband and wife pure, as Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4 invites us to keep that marriage bed pure. And so my mind was drawn to this, this idea of when I, when I was thinking about open relationships of society, chasing after what feels good, chasing after our pleasures, rather than following the goodness that God has for us that often goes beyond what my immediate impulse is. There are tons of examples. Now, maybe this idea of open relationship seems really distant for you, uh, something that you would, would not be prone or given to. But I think that for each one of us, there are a lot of examples in which we experience that pull, those inner desires to do what feels good, to chase after sensuality rather than God's good ways. Lots of ways in which we're darkened in our understanding rather than enlightened to what God would have us do. And Paul names this in our text. The Apostle Paul is the one who's written these, these words in the book of Ephesians that we've been working through, and he names it. He says, there is a tendency of people, of me and of you, of society as a whole, to chase after whatever feels good, rather than God's goodness and the truth that he has shown to us. And Paul doesn't pull any punches when he writes about this. He refers to the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles is sort of the catchphrase that he uses for anyone and everyone who doesn't have their faith in Jesus. And as a parallel, uh, we could actually think about this when he, when he speaks about the, the Gentiles, the society at large, we could hear this as referring to Canadians, the society at large that we are a part of. And so we hear the text, it's saying, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, we would hear that saying, you must no longer live as the Canadians do in the futility of their thinking. In verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 4, it says, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensu sensitivity, they have given themselves over to the sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. This is a dark, dark picture that Paul paints being given over to every kind of impurity and being full of greed. This idea of having hardened hearts and being separate from God. This is a dark picture. Is this true of everyone, everywhere, in every way? Well, no. No, Paul is using a generalization here as a rhetorical device, as a way of making a point. And so what he speaks is true. But it's not absolutely true of everyone in every way. It's generally true 
about society on the whole. There are lots of good and kind, thoughtful people, loving people, who have not placed their faith in Jesus. That's not what this text is in, intended to convey. Rather, God, God has made his, knownness to, his goodness known to all people. And so there is a capacity for goodness and for love in all people, regardless of if they have faith in Jesus or not. But in general, when we leave God's ways behind, and society on the whole does live without attention to the ways of God. God's made his goodness known to everybody, so there is goodness at work. But in general, when we choose our own path and resist God, this is the type of living that we drift into, chasing after our impulses. We drink too much because we're pursuing joy and peace. We hoard our wealth because we want to have control. We want to have honor. We gossip because it's actually a good way of setting ourselves above other people, putting them down so that we can have honor. And so generally speaking, Canadian society on the whole is darkened in their understanding of God. They're separated from God. They don't know who He is. They don't know who God has asked us to be and what His will is for our lives. We're just going around doing what, what feels good. Now, you might say, say you think, well, it's not all that bad. And I say, hold on. Just take a moment and step into a hockey dressing room where the veneer of politeness and, and what is proper has been peeled back and you see and you hear the darkness, the chasing after pleasure, the impulses, which can actually be very rude and jarring when you step into a hockey room, those things are often on full display. And I see it, I feel it, this sensuality, this chasing after the impulses of our hearts, darkened, hearts hardened. And, and maybe if you've not been in a, in a hockey dressing room, maybe you think of a bachelorette party. Now, I've not been to one personally, to a bachelorette party. Uh, but from what I hear and what I observe, this is another place in which the veneer is peeled off of being proper and aiming to be good. And we see the darkness that is actually in our hearts as we chase after, as we long for the things that feel good and gratify us in the moment. Ultimately, when we chase after these impulses, they're destructive to ourselves and to the other people around us. So after painting this dark picture of the old self, he says, Paul's saying to the people, you've placed your faith in Jesus. This is the way of society at large. This is who you've been. This is what God is calling you out of. And then he points to the new self. Verse 24 talks about the new self being created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. True righteousness and holiness. Now picture the goodness of God Picture the perfect creator just flowing with tons and tons of love, perfect in patience, someone who's creative, someone who's hardworking, someone who is full of joy, even as they're powerful and in control of all things, someone who is perfect in love and joy. Now, I, I want to be like that. Obviously, I'm not a, we're, not, we're not the creator, but we want to be like the creator. I want to be fully joyful. I want to be fully patient, just overflowing with kindness toward other people. I think that's what we all want. It's definitely what we see of God when God came in the person of Jesus and walked around on this earth for around 30 years. And, and he was like, he, he was so great at reaching out to and connecting with the marginalized. He was so good. He welcomed the kids to him and, and he was healing people. And those who uh, were neglected by society were drawn to him. I, I want to be like that. I want to be like Jesus. 
Picture what that looks like for you. So we want that, but then inside we've got these deep desires, these impulses that pull us toward greed and selfishness. I know when I get up in the morning, I know what kind of person I want to be. And all day long, I struggle to be that kind of person because I'm pulled toward laziness. I'm pulled toward sexual desire. I'm pulled toward pride and arrogance. I'm pulled toward serving myself and building up my honor rather than serving those around me. These impulses that pull us toward this dark life apart from God, even as we chase after the good life and experiencing joy. So how do we get to that good life? How do we step more fully into what God has designed for us, the good life? Well, we need to change our clothes. And Paul uses this this metaphor, this image. We need to change our clothes. This is how Paul talks about it. Referring to the old self, Paul in verse 20, he says, That, however, is not the way of the life that you learned when you heard about Jesus. That old self. That's not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ. And we're taught in him in accordance with the truth that is Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. You need to change your clothes. It's just the same after you've shoveled out the pigs. You're covered with manure from head to toe. And you've got to strip those clothes off before you enter into pretty much anywhere else, before you can go back in the house, before you can go be with other people. you got to take off those stinky, old, smelly clothes, your destructive old self. you got to take it off. So as followers of Jesus, we need to peel off our old self, which was led by our inner desires that lead to destruction. And then we need to put on new clothes. Of course, God has provided a set of new clothes for us to wear. And that set of clothes looks like Jesus. Verse 24, it says, those new clothes are to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The truth of God. The capacity to love as he loved others. And so this text calls you to be an active participant in this. Paul is writing to people who've placed their faith in Jesus for a while now. They're growing in faith and he says, take off the old clothes, put on the new. When we place our faith in Jesus, when we say, I believe in you, Jesus, I make you my king, my savior, I confess my sin, we receive the gift of eternal life. It's not something we do. We just, we just receive it. We hold out our hands and allow God to give that to us. But then as we grow in faith, you are called to be an active participant to do the work of taking off your old self of sin and destruction and put on the new self of goodness and love and truth. It is an ongoing process. Whether you've been a follower of Jesus for three years or for 33 years, this is an ongoing process with our spiritual journey of taking off the old self, putting on the new self so that we can be full of goodness and love. My concern is that there are many times in which I just kind of settle in. I think, well, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm a reasonably good person in, in my mind. I think well, I'm, I'm pretty good compared to other, other people, which is a, a super arrogant thing to say. And, and we just, you know what? We settle in. We're happy. God's going to come bring the new heavens and, and the new earth. I'm going to live with them forever. Everything, everything's good. And I take my foot off the gas. I coast. But God is calling us to so much more. And he has given us what we need to get there. He's given us everything we need to take off those barn clothes, the stinky, destructive old self, to put on the new clothes of wholeness and peace and joy that he gives us. So how do we do this? 
first, I want you to decide that you are actively going to do the work of putting on the new self. Are you going to be a participant in this? Are you going to engage in the work, the process of putting on that new self? I'm asking you right now to decide today, this is work that I'm going to do. This is something that I am going to address and work at it. Be deliberate. Be intentional. How are you going to get rid of gossip? How are you going to get rid of greed? How are you going to talk in ways that are pure? How are you going to engage in conversations with people who are different from you? Step number two is to invite God's help. Now, maybe this feels overwhelming because like, good heavens, this is another self-help program. I've worked so hard at improving myself in so many other ways. I don't know how to do this. And so I invite you to ask God for help. Ask him to give you the mercy you need. He loves you, whether you're terrible at putting the new self on or relatively good at it. He loves you. This is not a means of earning God's love. Rather, it's a means of stepping more fully into the life that God has called you to. So ask God to give you or to show you the mercy he's already given you to do this. Ask him for the encouragement that you need to cheering you on saying, it's all right, you'll get there. You can do this. Ask the Holy Spirit to come and to fill you so that you'll have the spiritual resources, the power, the motivation you need to press in on this. So first, decide to actively participate in this process. Second, ask God to help you. And then third, start taking steps. I invite you, identify what are the initial steps that you can take in this. You can say, you know what? I'm no longer going to talk in that way. And maybe you have a particular way in mind, the ways that you talk about other people, the foul language that you use in certain settings, the ways that you uh, dishonor others. Maybe you say, okay, actually, one of the steps I'm going to take, I'm going to ask those around me, my, you know, my spouse, my kids, my best friend, my, my manager, I'm going to ask them to point out to me whenever it appears that I'm being impatient. What a great step in terms of taking off the old self. Maybe you say, you know what, I'm not going to listen to that music anymore. That actually, I say it doesn't, doesn't affect me, but it actually is filling my mind with sexual thoughts that lead to destruction or an unhealthy expression of sexuality. You know what, I, that's a step. I'm going to put off the old self. I'm no longer going to listen to that type of music. These are just a couple examples. Lots of ways. What will it be for you? What are the steps you're going to take to put off the old self? What are the steps that you're going to take to put on the new self? Maybe you're going to say, you know what, going forward, I'm going to give $100 to a new cause that I care about, a new cause that advances God's work in the world, maybe to a person around me who's struggling. That's a step. I'm going to give $100 more every month to something great. That will help address the greed maybe that you're trying to take off. Maybe you say, I'm going to give my employee raises this month, even if it means that I have less in my pocket at the end of the year a way of putting on the new self of generosity maybe it's saying you know what i'm going to go out of my way to listen to the stories of those who are vastly different from me to hear the stories of someone who's indigenous to hear someone who lives in poverty that's a step of putting on the new self maybe a new step would be to say i'm going to meet with a counselor i'm going to start meeting with a counselor who will help me dig into the trauma of the past or a new step could say, I'm going to begin journaling about how I experience God. Lots of ideas. But I ask you today to decide to actively participate, to ask God to help you, and then to begin taking steps. What are two steps of taking off the old self, putting on the new self, that you can identify today to become more like Jesus? 
I invite you into this process. Can you trust me when you hear me say, there is no better life than walking with Jesus? There's no better life than stepping away from those old destructive impulses and stepping more into the beauty and the goodness and the truth of God. It is a good life, one of, one of joy. God's got so much more in store for you. And so I ask you, how can you begin the work of changing your clothes to be more like Jesus today? God, we ask that you would guide us in this. And, and, and for many of us, it may feel a little bit overwhelming. It may feel like uh, we don't have it within us. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray for every single person who's hearing this message, that you would speak to us, that you would say, you know what, here are the steps that I want you to take. And then you would fill us with your spirit, encouraging us and blessing us and giving us the power that we need to walk in this time and in these ways. We invite you to lead us in this work of putting off the old self, putting on the new self. Thank you that you've saved us when we place our faith in you. Thank you that you love us and you're going to walk with us always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks a lot for spending this time with me. Please, as mentioned earlier, please take the opportunity to uh, join us for in, in person uh, this Sunday, Sunday morning here at, at the church. We're going to be in small groups outdoors or to join us online at 11 o'clock. Details were earlier in the announcements. We'd love to have you dig in with us as a community as we experience God together. All right, we'll see you next week.